0: as we jump back into our Genesis series. We've been studying through the book of Genesis now for uh, about a year, and uh, we are all the way up into chapter 26. Congratulations on a brand new year, by the way. Uh, I love brand new years, Uh, really cool. Uh, I have a question, just out of curiosity, be honest. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. Two of you, wow. Uh, Hold them up for me. If you, if you made a New Year's resolution, raise your hand. All right. Uh, keep them up. Keep them up. I'm trying to evaluate. For those of you watching online, it looks like about maybe 10% of the congregation made New Year's resolutions. Last service was a little higher. Uh, if you didn't make a New Year's resolution, it's not too late. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you don't let your sinister self say oh i did that before i never keep it no 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 no. it is good to grow don't get lazy in your growth right uh allow yourself to grow and making resolutions is a great thing Uh, a lot of resolutions you can make uh get in shape right like i'm i know that the gyms sell more memberships in january than any other time right it's a good goal i eat better that's a common goal uh how about this one Cut back on screen time. That's a good goal, man. Uh, seems like you know we've got a screen in front of us all the time. Big beautiful world out there to enjoy. Uh, did you see the sunrise this morning? Oh man, it was crisp. It was glorious. I was marveling at it, you know, just beautiful colors in the sky. And there's this owl sitting on top of a tree, and he was all fluffed up like he was cold, you know. And I just thought. Lord, everything that you create is beautiful. And uh, when you got a screen in front of yourself, you, 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 we lose that, right? Uh, so maybe that's a good one. Uh, how about this? Be more selfless. Uh, or how about this? Uh, better marriage partner. A lot of different resolutions we can make. And I bring that up because of this point. God loves new beginnings. Do you know, new beginnings are God's idea. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. God had uh, the day of atonement. It was a new beginning. His mercies are new. When? Every morning. morning. Why? Because God loves fresh starts. Uh, uh, It's who he is. And I would encourage you, he loves fresh starts because they're powerful. They're powerful. It's how we grow. Uh, Today, we have the ability to make a fresh start in this new year and to change our lives for the better. And the reason that uh, new beginnings are powerful is because they invite us to take new steps that maybe we wouldn't take otherwise. And I want you to know, getting started is like half of the battle. So just get started in this. Uh, I have found that in life, there are no big steps, when I was a young man, I kept looking for the big steps in business. Like, what do you got to do? Uh, or the big steps in this. And, and you know what I found? There's no secret sauce, man. It's just ketchup and mustard and mix it together. And uh, there's no big steps. There's only small steps done faithfully. And God really honors that. This is God's ways. And so uh, I would encourage you, maybe ponder what kind of resolutions would God have you make this year? What kind of goals would God want you to make? Maybe it would be serving others more. Not being so self-absorbed. Maybe it would be having some more alone time with Jesus so that you can just just bathe in his goodness, in his love. Uh, maybe it would be I want to be better equipped to give others a reason for the hope that lies within me, to bring others to Christ. Uh, maybe men's ministry, women's ministry, or, or that course would be good for you, right? Like what, what, kind of, what kind of things? Maybe you say, I want to grow in God's word. Uh, what kind of goals can you make? Here's another thing to ponder. What will 2023 be like? What will this year bring? The reality is we really don't know, right? Will it be a year of prosperity or will it be a year of famine? Will it be a, a year of war or will it be a year of peace? What will 2023 bring? Will it bring for you a year of sickness or a year of health? Will it be for us as a nation a year of wickedness or a year of revival? Uh, What will 20, well, God only, only God knows. Uh, And yet here's something that I want us to hold on. If we set the right goals for 2023, if we set intrinsic Christ-centered goals, here's what I know. We will thrive. We will be abundant regardless of whatever 2023 brings. And that is the value of setting right resolutions and right goals. Let me give you a verse, if I can, uh, Jeremiah 17, to kind of illustrate this. Um, Do you hear the kids outside? Sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, You know what I want? I want the kids to hear you. I want the kids to hear mom and dad reading the Bible. Wouldn't that be great? So let's uh, let's let them hear us really loud. Let's read. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Here's what that verse says. Hey, set right resolutions with me as you begin your new year. And if you do, no matter what happens in the world, famine, pestilence, or prosperity, you will be fruitful and thriving because you are rooted and grounded in my ways. And I find it very interesting as we jump back into Genesis chapter 26, find your way there if you haven't, Genesis 26. As we jump back in, we took a break for Christmas, we go now back verse by verse, right exactly where we left off, and here as we begin this new year, God has designed it where this chapter speaks to these very things that we're talking about. And the title of the message this morning is, How God Leads. How does God lead us? What are his ways? Uh, now, I want to put a disclaimer. We cannot put God in a box. And so when I teach today about how God leads, I'm not saying this is the only way He God is sovereign and He does whatever He wants, right? Uh, but He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And so we can learn some things as we look at how God leads Isaac here, and we will see that there is some precepts of how God leads in our life that we can hold on to, that we can embrace, and that we can uh, be aware of so that as he leads, we are in line and in step and in sync with his leadership. And uh, so that is our goal here. Um, this story is a powerful story, and I think there's a lot to uh, uh, to glean from. So let's jump in, uh, Genesis 26, and let me pray as we do. Lord, as we open your word, we do it with reverence. Lord, we pause, and we ask that you would give us eyes to see what your word would reveal to us today. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit. We've gathered in your in your name. We want to worship you. We want to know you. But Lord, you're a spirit and we're flesh. So have mercy on us, Lord. Lord, we have a hard time loving people who we can see. How do we love you, a God who we cannot see? Lord, open our eyes that we might understand how to do that. Lord, speak by your church, to each and every, by your spirit, to each and every one in your church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was what? A A famine in the land. Interesting. We have no idea what the year holds. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, Uh, this is the second time the word famine is used in the Bible. Uh, It's referring back now to the first time it was mentioned, there was a severe famine. And when that famine happened, Abraham went down to Egypt, right? Uh, uh, There was a famine in the land. And look what it says. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, on his way to Gerar. Uh, uh, Isaac is going down to Egypt just like his father had done uh, Gerar is in the very southern border of, is- of the promised land this very southern border of Israel it is about as close as you can get to Egypt and still being in the promised land and he's heading down because he's going to Egypt uh, and he see- he's there in uh, Gerar this was a Philistine town and the king of that town we just read is who? Abimelech. And Abimelech is a title, not a name. It is a title of the Philistine kingdom, the king. Uh, kind of like uh, the king of Egypt is called what? Pharaoh, where the king of the Philistines is called Abimelech. Abimelech means, it's two words, it means my father is king. Abba, it means father, and Melech means king. Abimelech, uh, my father is king. And so he... Uh, Isaac is going down into Egypt and he stops at Gerar and he meets uh, with Abimelech there. Verse two, then the Lord appeared to him, that's to Isaac, and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you. Uh, What a promise. I will be with you. And now God is going to re just uh, uh, re reiterate the the Abrahamic covenant. God is going to reconfirm this Abrahamic covenant uh, with Isaac uh, that we learned about in Genesis 12. He says, dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and to your descendants, I will give these lands. Uh, How much land did Isaac own right now? None. He's living in tents his father Abraham had lived in tents. Don't own any land. But God once again reiterates, I'm going to give you this land. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Isaac, I haven't forgot. I'm going to give you this land. I am with you. Uh, my promises stand, verse 4. And I will make your descendants multiply of the stars of heaven. Uh, Isaac only has two kids, Jacob and Esau. They're grown now. Only two kids, not a great start to a great nation. God says, I haven't forgotten. I know you're in a famine. I know you only have two kids, but I am going to do all the things that I said I was going to do. Uh, I will give your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. If you've been with us, if you've been studying in Genesis, you know this is a promise of what? The Messiah. The Messiah. The Messiah is going to come through you. And through you, Isaac, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The only way that can happen is through the Messiah. And today we know this has been fulfilled. All the nations of the earth blessed because of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Or in other words, where didn't he go? Did not go down to Egypt. Uh, There are some things that I would like to look at in this. This story reveals a common discourse on how God leads us. Uh, And by when I say that, I mean us. I mean us who are born again. If you are not born again, this is not how God leads you. Uh, you need to be born again if you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior today is the day it can be a brand new birth for you you can be born again Uh, come and talk with us after the service and uh, Jesus says all who come to me I will in no way cast out Jesus is calling you to himself that's why you're here so if you are here and you are not born again boy come to Christ come to Christ have a new birth in 2023 and watch Jesus work powerfully in your life. But for those of us who are born again, there are some there are some precepts here, there are some common discourses here of how God leads us. And I want you to see some things here. The first thing we noticed is there was an event. An event. What was the event? A famine. After the famine, there was a human response. What was the human response? I'm going to Egypt. Uh, After the human response, there was a divine action. God shows up and says, hey, want to talk to you? Uh, After the divine action was God's command. Uh, Hey, don't go down to Egypt. Stay in the land. After God's command were some promises, some rewards of why I'm instructing you in these things. And after that, there was our ethos. Uh, Ethos? What is ethos? That's a word we don't use a lot. Let's talk about it for a second just to get that on the table. What does ethos mean? Ethos. What does it mean? Let me hear from you. maybe I should have used a different word. <laughs> <laughs> ethos means the characteristic of something, the character of something, or the, the overarching uh, uh, substance of something, the ethos. If we said the ethos of the 60s was free love and sexual revolution, didn't work very well, by the way, uh, brought in AIDS uh, and all kinds of other problems, uh, but that was the ethos of the '60s. The ethos of 2020 decade so far has been woke ideology. Maybe I don't know. I'm not. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just trying to ex- just define. Don't don't get me. I'm just trying to define what ethos is. Right? Ethos is the 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 character of something, the the substance of something, uh, what it's made of. And this is a common discourse on how God leads us. And we're going to unpack each one of these so that we can grow and understand and, and, and participate in God's work in our life. Uh, in life, there are events that happen to us. What are the events that are happening to you right now? It might be you're middle-aged and you've lost your job, your career. And you're like, man, I never expected this. What do I do now? Yeah, that's an event, man. Uh, Maybe for you, it's a serious illness. You went to the doctor. You found out. It's the C word. That's a big event, man. Maybe for you, it's grief. It's just sorrow. You don't know why. And like the psalmist, you're saying, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Maybe for you, it's a dream that you wanted that just hasn't hit yet, and you're going, Lord, how long? Maybe for you, it's your parents are going through a divorce. I can't believe it. Maybe for you, it's an unexpected pregnancy. You're 45 years old. You've already had kids. You thought you were done. My next door neighbor, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Surprise! Or maybe it's a broken heart of, I want kids and I've never been able. All kinds of events in life. Sickness, problems, troubles, strains. And it's part of life. These events happen. Maybe your event is you're just tempted to commit adultery right now. There's this man. There's this woman. And you find yourself just wanting to walk by their desk more often. You find yourself just, and you're like, there's an event. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? These events happen in our life. And after the event happens, the second thing that happens is a human response. And I have found that human response is often impulsive and not prayerful. That human response is often a physical reaction, a knee-jerk reaction in the flesh. For Isaac, it was a famine. And his response was what? Go to Egypt. We don't read of any prayer on the matter. We don't read of any fasting on the matter and meditation on the matter and saying, Lord, what would you have me do? We know that our human response is often a fleshly, knee-jerk reaction. Like Isaac, we all face significant events. Isaac's was a famine. What is yours? I have found it true, by the way, both biblically and in personal experience that God is very interested in our response to life's events very interested why is God so interested in our response to life events well because it reveals the depth or lack thereof of our faith and our relationship with God uh, Famine comes. We don't even pray. We just respond. What does that reveal about my faith, about my walk with God? Now, the reality is God already knows the depth of my faith and the depth of my walk with God. So why is he so interested in that? Well, he wants to reveal it to who? To us. You see, we have a big problem. Do you know what that big problem is? We think too highly of ourselves here's what I know about us a room this big this many people well there are those here who think they're better than they actually are and do you know who that is it's the person sitting right next to you (laughs) and it's the person sitting right next to them and it's the person speaking to you we all think that we're better than we actually are. It's called a sin nature. And God will use life events to reveal some things to us so that we deal in reality and not in fantasy. So that he can actually grow us. Because if we are, think we are something when we are nothing, we have nowhere to go but down. But if we understand who we really are, We will lean on the Lord. We will seek his face, and he will work in our lives. Uh, Life's events reveal who we really are. Let me illustrate it this way. How do you know if someone is a good soldier? Do you find that out in the mess hall? The mess hall is the place where you get food. Uh, Do you find that out in the cafeteria? Where do you find that out? On the battlefield. You get the soldier on the battlefield and you realize, wow, what a great soldier. Wow, what a not so great soldier. Wow, what a great soldier. It's the battlefield that reveals how good of a soldier you are. And the reality is, is by our sin nature, we have a tendency to think we're better soldiers than we actually are. Jesus, uh, on The night of his betrayal and arrest took the disciples into the upper room and there he girded himself like a servant and he washed their feet and then he served them at dinner. And he had communion with them. We're going to partake communion after the service today. And after communion, he took them down to the Mount of Olives, which is just right across from where they had the the last supper. And they go to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is going to pray there. And before he does, he tells them, all of you will be made to stumble tonight because of me. All of you will deny me as it is written in the scriptures. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. All of you tonight will be offended because of me. And Peter heard these words. And do you know what Peter said? Not a chance. Not a chance. I would never be offended because of you. And I would never deny you. I would even die for you, Jesus. Now, question for you. Was Peter lying? No. Did that happen? No. Well, then which one was it? Well, he was lying, but not intentionally. What was the problem? He really saw himself that way. And because of that, God could not use him as powerfully because he was delusional about who he really was. And so Jesus was arrested, Peter had a little bit of trial. And he denied Jesus three times. And just as Jesus predicted, before the rooster crowed, you will have denied me three times. And that all happened. And, and it reveals something to us. Uh, we may think of ourselves better than we actually are. And this morning, may we be aware of that liability. May we look at this story and may we not think of ourselves better than Isaac. And may we go, wow, I can't believe Isaac went down to Egypt. What was he thinking, man? No, 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 no. This was a famine. And Isaac was worried about providing for his family. Isaac was worried about losing his company, all his employees. Isaac was worried about losing his business. And Egypt looks pretty attractive right now. Why? Well, because there's food in Egypt. Why is there food in Egypt? Because they have a Nile River that flows. And when there's a drought, there's water. And they have irrigation that they've done through the Nile River. And not only is there that, but there's wealth and prosperity and, and all kinds of things down there. Sensual entertainment and all kinds of fun activities. There's a famine here, man. Nothing's happening. We're starving. My company's going in trouble. Let's go down to Egypt. That's a temptation. I want you to know life's events are real and they are difficult. Fortunately, uh, even though Isaac makes the wrong decision, what's his decision? There's a famine, what's his decision? Go to Egypt. Egypt. No prayer. Go to Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world, by the way, the world's ways. And the world always looks attractive to us when we're facing a difficult situation. Let me give you another example. You can, get, you can be in a situation where just telling a lie would get you out of that situation. And how hard is it to speak the truth? Do you know what the lie represents in our story today? What does the lie represent? Egypt. Are you going to do it your way, the world's way? Or are you going to do it God's way? And we're faced with these events all the time. And so he says, I'm going to go to Egypt. And the good news is, when we face an event, this is how God leads. There's a divine action. What happens when he faces this event and he starts going down to Egypt? What happens? God shows up. God shows up. And fortunately, God does not leave us alone in our trials if we are born again. He guides us. There's a divine action. God shows up. He speaks to Isaac and he does the same thing for us. Now, we do not know how God spoke to Isaac. We don't know how God appeared to Isaac. We read our Bibles and we like to fantasize, oh, I bet it was the Shekinah glory of God. I bet like the ground began to shake and a bright light came up and a tractor beam came down and God, a booming voice said, Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. Could have been. God is more than capable. That's nothing for him. His radiant glory is unbelievable. And we don't know how God appeared to to Isaac, uh, but it may have been a small, still voice is how God appeared to Isaac. We read in the Bible that this is most often how God moves. Just a small still voice. We read of the prophet Elijah. And Israel was in big trouble. The religion in Israel had become incredibly corrupt. Nothing new under the sun. The government had become incredibly corrupt. Ahab was the king. He was a wimp. His wife Jezebel She was a witch, literally. And she employed on Israel's tax dollars 450 false prophets to Baal and 400 other false prophets to other gods on Israel's tax dollars. I know you can't imagine something like that happening. But it was history and God's people were oppressed and the nation was in great bondage and it was crumbling under their horrible leadership and Elijah comes and he comes to the nation Israel and he says why are you guys worshiping all these other gods well here's why because they were sensual they were sexy man they were attractive and God, Elijah, God sends Elijah to, to the people he says how long will you stand between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. But you can't, you can't be calling yourself believers and be doing this. And so he sets up a, a test and he says, hey, if God is, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to make an offering to the Lord. And well, the, the, if God is real, he'll, down, he'll come down and he'll consume this offering and you guys make an offering to your false gods, and we'll see what happens. And so they do. These false prophets, all 850 of them, they make a a, a a sacrifice, and they dance, and they do their chanting, and they do their prayers and incamations and everything else, and nothing happens all day long. Finally, at the end of the day, God, Elijah says, that's enough. And he says, Now let's call upon the true and living God. And he puts us an offering on the altar and he says, Pour water all over it, so just to make it even harder. And they pour water all over it so much so that it even fills up, a giant pools up all around it. And now Elijah prays. And he says, God, if you are the true and living God, reveal yourself, consume this sacrifice. And God sends fire down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice torches all the water, dries it up and Elijah says if God is God serve him and he calls the people and they slaughter the 850 false prophets right then and there you've got to make a stand if God is your God you've got to make a stand the strangest thing happens after this story Jezebel the wicked queen She puts a hit hit man on Elijah. She says, he's a dead man killing all my prophets. He's a dead man. And now there's wanted posters all over and a big reward for taking out Elijah. And Elijah gets scared. Elijah, you just called fire down from heaven. What are you possibly afraid of? A woman? Yes. And he runs. And he cries out to God. He says, God, I'm alone. I'm just, I, can't, you know, I can't believe you. You can't believe my life. Oh. And he does a strange thing. He leaves Israel. He leaves Jerusalem. And he goes down and he goes all the way to Mount Sinai. Why does he go to Mount Sinai? Well, he knew that was a holy site. That's where God met Moses. And he goes down there. And as he's there seeking God's face in self-pity. God, I just I'm getting being attacked. I mean persecuted. I can't, what am I going to do? There's a giant mighty wind that comes through. A tornado. It starts ripping the rocks in pieces, breaking up the mountains. That powerful. And the Bible says something, and God was not in that mighty wind. Then there was a mighty earthquake. The ground is shaking, stones are falling, and the Bible says, Say it with me, what? God was not in that earthquake. And then there was a brilliant, intense fire that came through, just. And the Bible says, God was not in that. God isn't in the flash and the wonder. And then there was a small, still voice. And God was in that. God was in that. This is the appearance of God to Elijah. You know what God said to Elijah? Elijah, what are you doing here? I'll add this part in. Feeling sorry for yourself. (laughs) God didn't say that, but that was the the basic thing. What are you doing here? Elijah, do your work. Go back and anoint Jehu as king over Israel. You are a leader, Elijah. I want you to do your work. Go and anoint Haziel as king over Syria. And go anoint Elisha with an S in your place to be a prophet. What's that? Raise up good leadership. Go disciple others. Go uh, pour into others all that I've poured into you. Raise up Elisha to take your place when your time comes. And God was in the small, still voice. The point is this. When we are going through an event, when we are going through a trial, trial, God shows up. Why? Because these are defining moments in our life. And it's important, and God leads us at those times. But we have to be careful. Do not dismiss God when he speaks. God will show up at these times, but he will show up with a small, still voice because he is humble, he is meek, and these are the values of his kingdom. When Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, he started off, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. You see, there's a meekness about God. These are his character traits. These are his values. This is who he is. Do not dismiss God when he speaks with a small, still voice. Uh, God speaks, but he doesn't force us. And we have to be listening. When God speaks, do not dismiss him as Peter did. All of you are going to deny me. (laughs) Not me. Oh, you might want to listen to that voice, Peter. Well, then, Lord, what should I do? That'd be a far better response. But you see, that small, still voice is so small, is so still. is such a humble, gentle voice that we can easily dismiss it. I've dismissed it. Driving down the freeway. Dave, why did you talk to Lisa that way? I don't know. She did this. Okay. Uh, may we not dismiss his voice when he speaks. It is common for us to dismiss that voice. Many do. And their lives are fruitless and barren as a result. But those who heed that voice, oh, their life is rich and abundant. You see, that voice will heal marriages. That voice will give insight and wisdom into how to respond to the to the event that is happening in your life. And that voice is paramount that we listen to it. In Acts chapter 7, uh, where J.C. had us last week, uh, Stephen gave this address to the religious leaders who were uh, uh, just so against uh, Jesus. Jesus has already been crucified at this time. And, and listen to what Peter, excuse me, what Stephen says to them. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. To which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? What's the answer to that question? All of them. uh, To which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the Messiah. And then he came. And you betrayed and murdered him. You deliberately disobey God's law, even though you received it from the hand of angels. Even though you go to synagogue and make it, you know, you, you carry one around with you everywhere you go, you, you resist his voice. Uh, Jesus said something just the opposite. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they know my voice. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Uh, A common discourse of how God leads us. There's an event. There's our human reaction. Our human response. It's generally unprayed for. And there's a divine action. God comes along. Small still voice. Hey, where are you going? Stay in my ways. Don't go to Egypt. Uh, And then God gives his commands. Uh, Notice these these commands that God gives. Uh, Look at verse 2. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, this is the first command. Read it with me. What does he say? Don't go down to Egypt. Put a little number one right there. Don't go to the ways of the world. The ways of the world look so attractive to our carnal nature. The problem They're contrary to God's ways. Hey, Isaac was in severe famine, and Egypt had plenty of food because of the Nile, and it looked attractive, man. They had food, they had wealth, they had nightlife, they had all the sensual pleasures of Egypt, and these things call our name, but they cannot bring us life. They can only bring us to bondage. I know when you're facing hardship, it is easier to turn to the drink than to the God. But the, bring, the drink cannot bring you wisdom. The drink cannot bring you discernment. And the drink will, cannot deliver you into a fruitful land. It can only bring you into bondage. Men, I know when the world is crashing down on you, it is easy to go up into your cave and to turn on that computer and to look at attractive things. But it cannot deliver you from your problems. And it can only bring you into further bondage. And the moment you turn that screen off, you will walk away feeling twice as condemned and twice as much of a failure. God speaks. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go into the things of the world, even though they look attractive. And I want you to know something. Think of this. By not going to Egypt for Isaac, what did that mean? What would, he, what would he face if he doesn't go to, to Egypt? What would he face? Amen. A famine. You're going to be in a famine, uh, Isaac. Uh, yeah, it means his family must endure all that. Uh, they have to trust that God is going to deliver him in difficult times. And that is not easy to not go to Egypt. Uh, there's a verse in 2 Timothy... It says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Yeah, you're going to be in a famine. Yeah, I realize you, you... from your perspective, it looks like you're going to lose your business if you stay in that famine. It looks like you're going to have a hard time feeding your family. But trust me, walk with me in this. There are all kinds of temptations of Egypt that come our way, and we want to be careful that we don't run down to that. Notice the second command that God gives Isaac here. Uh, number one, don't go down to Egypt. No, it's number two. Live in this land. Live in the land which I will tell you. Uh, live means in the Hebrew uh, the word that's used means to settle or to reside Uh, uh, he's saying hey I I don't want you going into Egypt I want you staying here and I want you to know something Uh, doing life where God tells us to do it camping out where God tells us to camp out may not be as attractive may not be as sexy as going to the world's ways of Egypt right but it is far more fruitful And I want you to know something. In time, if we do it, it will bring amazing fruit into our life. I started us off with that verse. Do you remember it? No matter what comes, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and he'll bear fruit in all season. The famine will not affect him. Whatever 2023 brings, you can be fruitful. Stay in the land, don't go to the ways of the world. Jump ahead. Let's do this for a moment. Let's jump to verse 12. Look at this. This is so cool. I love this. We're jumping ahead, I realize, but look what happens. Then Isaac, what did he do? Sowed in that land. I want you to circle Isaac sowed and underline in that land. Isaac sowed. Sowed means what? Planted crops. In the middle of a famine, Isaac plowed a field. In the middle of a famine, Isaac plowed and planted seeds. And I mean, in the middle of a famine? What are you, a fool? No, I'm a man of faith. Big difference. Having faith doesn't mean I believe. It means plowing in the famine. It means planting seeds in a famine. And look at what happens. Isaac sowed in that land. He didn't go down to Egypt. And he reaped in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. It defied logic. It defied popular opinion. It looked crazy, but a year later, it was incredibly fruitful. And the same thing will happen in your marriage, in your parenting, in your relationships, in your leadership at work. Don't do it the world's way. Do it God's way, and massive crops come as a result. Verse 13 uh, the man, Isaac, began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very pros- prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. And we don't, we're not going to read it all right now, but they tell him to leave. He's got so much. He's too powerful. Uh, what's that? Yeah, it was clearly obvious that God's hand was with him. And this is what happens When we walk in God's commands. So awesome to look at. Look at the third command he gives. The first one, don't go to Egypt. Don't go to the ways of the world. Number two, stay in the land. Live in the land which I will dwell with you. Number three, what is it? Dwell in this land. Dwell in the land. Isn't that the same as live in the land? No, it's different. It's God is saying, commit yourself to this for the long haul. Not just for the moment, but for the long term. I want you to know, Isaac will not possess the, the promised land. Israel did not possess, they did not own the promised land until 500 years later. And God is saying, hey, even though you don't have it, sojourn in this land, stay in this land, walk in faith in it, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do these things. And uh, God commanded Isaac to dwell in that land permanently, and he did. And, and uh, uh, God richly blessed him. Uh, <clears throat> He obeys these things, right? Now, I want you to know, Isaac isn't perfect. Uh, he makes mistakes. Um, there, are, there are problems, right? Uh, uh, he's going to have setbacks. Uh, we're going to see uh, he, he lies about his, his wife to King Abimelech, says he's a sister, has some setbacks. He's not perfect. Uh, He faced all kinds of trials, and he faced some setbacks. He didn't walk perfectly, but God delivered him from from them all. And I want you to know, I find this so encouraging. Because just like a physical goal of working out, okay, I'm going to get in shape for the new year. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. Are you going to miss some days? Yeah. Are you going to blow it some days? Yeah. But you can still obtain your goal. Just get back on track. Uh, You see, you don't have to be a consummate athlete to get in better shape for 2023. You just need to be faithful in the small steps. Why are we talking about this? Not because I care if you're, well, that's not the right word. Not because I want you to be in physical good shape. Uh, That's not it. Here's why I I share this with us. Because the physical is a picture of the spiritual. And even if you miss a day, no problem. Just don't miss two. Just don't miss 10. Get back on track. You see, Isaac blew it, right? He lies about his wife, but he gets back on track and he does the things that God called him to do. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that the patriarchs of the faith, all the heroes of the faith in the Bible, all of them messed up. And all of them blew it. And all of them failed. And all of them made big mistakes. Why am I thankful for that? Because I mess up all the time. And that's where his mercies are new when? Every morning. morning. Lord, I blew it yesterday, but today, man, I'm I'm back on track with you. Paul would say it this way. One thing I do. One thing, Paul? Yeah. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press on. I press forward towards the upward call of Christ Jesus. I forget my mess ups of yesterday and I say, Lord, today, brand new day, your mercies, I can't wait to walk with you. Uh, uh, That is the beauty of our walk with Jesus. And I am so thankful uh, that God leads us and gives us that much mercy. Uh, After he gives his instruction, notice what he does. He then gives these promises and these these rewards. And there are seven of them then there, if you want to number them. Uh, uh, Again, it's just a reiteration of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, The first one is a great one, man. What's the first one? Let me hear you. What is it? It's in verse three. Uh, Excuse me, verse, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, verse three. Dwell in this land and what? I will be with you. you. And I tell you what, God, you had me hello. If I know, God, that you are with me, oh, I'm ready. I can, if you're with me, I can do anything. When God's presence is with you, oh my gosh, it inspires the soul. It gives you strength when you have none. Uh, it gives you vision when you, when you lacked it. It gives you uh, the, the discernment to know how to move. Oh, that he'll be with us. That's the most amazing one. Uh, number two, I will bless you. Uh, number three, uh, to your descendants I will give these lands. That was one that is particular to to the... To the Jews, number four, I will perform my oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Here's what God is saying there: I keep my promises. All of the promises that I made, uh, they're valid. They're, they're still they're still working right now. Uh, verse four: I will make your descendants. I will mul- I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I'm going to make you a great nation. Number six. I will give your descendants all these lands. He says that one twice. Number seven, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The Messiah is going to come through you. These are the promises of God. These are what he does. And his promises are amazing. And I want you to know, if you are a born again believer, the same is true for you. The rewards that we have in Jesus Christ are mind boggling. Now, what God is doing is reminding us of all of his promises when we're tempted to walk into Egypt. Hey, 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 eyes up here, God says. Remember all that I have for you. What are some of the promises that we have in Jesus Christ, church? Well, how about this one? All of your sin and your failures are what? Washed away. Wow. How about this one? The perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to you freely. Oh, my gosh. God is going is, is to make me perfectly righteous in Christ. That's how he views me. Amazing. Uh, amazing promises are ours. They're mind-boggling. How about this one? I will never leave you or forsake you. How about this one? You are sealed By the Holy Spirit, unto the day of your redemption, nothing can snatch you out of my hands. Your salvation is secure in Christ. How about this one? I will give you eternal life in a glorified body. Oh, my gosh. We all want to look younger, live longer. Uh, Good luck with that, man. Good luck with that. Every year, I'm amazed. This package gets worse and worse. And at best. 80, 90, 100 years, at best. And even then, we still do gross things, man. You know, you gotta eat all the time, you foul movements for crying out loud. Just, we're, we're deplorable creatures. Have you noticed this about your flesh? I'm not being I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not looking for cheap humor. That wasn't my goal. I'm trying to illustrate something. Bear with me. Have you noticed this about your flesh? Everything it produces stinks. You wear deodorant. Why? Because you stink. <laughs> we put perfume, we brush, we do everything the flesh produces stinks. It's wearing out. But we have a promise of a glorified body, eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amazing, right? Uh, the incredible promises. not only this eternal body, we have this promise that Jesus Christ... We are going to rule and reign with him in righteousness on this earth in glorified bodies. Wow. For a thousand years. You're going to have a glorified body like Christ where you can come and appear and you can disappear and you can walk through walls and you're going to to reign over mortals on the earth. Uh, How about this promise? At the end of that thousand year reign God's going to wipe out this earth and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. World without end. I mean, oh my gosh, the future that God has for us. Endless promises are ours and in Jesus Christ. Paul would say it this way. I reckon that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation of us eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Uh, that's Romans 8. Uh, this, there, there's amazing promises. And God says, hey, when you're going through these events, keep your eyes on my 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 rewards that I have for you. And lastly, after God reveals his promises, he establishes our ethos, uh, our the characteristic of, of spirit, the, 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 the person that we're going to become. Look how he does this here. Look at verse 5. He's speaking to Isaac, and he says, look at all these promises I'm going to do. And then he says something interesting, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Question, is God going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant because Abraham did all these things? No. We looked in Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant was unconditional. God already promised all those things before Abraham did anything. So then what is God saying here? Here's what he's saying. He's saying Isaac look at the man that I built your father into. Your father was just like you, Isaac, and he wanted to go down to Egypt during a famine, but I built him into something. He walked in my ways, and he became a man of substance a man of character, a man of wisdom, a man who was respected and admired, a pillar of the faith, the father of the faith, an icon of a godly man, I did that work in him, Isaac, that was me. And I'm doing that same work where? In your life. And Christian, as we get ready to partake communion, I want you to know this is the work that God wants to do in you. And this is how he leads. Put that slide back up for me that reveals all those six things again. There's an event, right? There's an event, and there's a human re- a human response to that event, and it's often a knee-jerk reaction. We need to be careful there. And then there's a divine action. God shows up, and he speaks, and he says, "Hey," he gives commands. Don't go down to Egypt. Stay where I've brought you. And then he reveals his promises. And Dave, this is your heritage. This is what I will do in your life if you walk in my ways. And Dave, this is your ethos. This is who I will make you, this is who you will become and the same is true for me and the same is true for you. This is God's work. It is by his righteousness because he is the good shepherd and he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake as the good shepherd and he builds us into something substantial. We are going from glory glory to greater glory and we are being transformed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ and I want you to know something that is a masterpiece work of God for we are, po- we are his poema uh, we are his workmanship and he's one heck of a sculptor man one he- heck of a sculptor this is how God leads may we let him lead us And this is his work. And may we embrace it. May you hold on to it. And it all begins. It's all made possible by Jesus' work on the cross. Without that, there is no help. For there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved, can be built, and can be sculpted. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.